Hey everyone, this is Sherry Walling. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Parenting Reimagined. I've completed 20 episodes now and I've interviewed lots of really amazing parents. And we have some fabulous interviews on the way. But I want to let you know that I would love to hear from you. Um, If you have a story that you would love to tell about the way that parenting has changed you, or if you know of a parent that you respect and would like to hear interviewed on this program, make sure to send me an email or message me on Facebook. I would love to hear who you would love to hear from. Our interview today is with an old college friend, Eddie Ekmechi. Eddie and his wife, Rhoda, live in Los Angeles, and they are the parents of three children. A few months ago, they had a son, Liam, who was born with Down syndrome. Eddie and Rhoda learned that Liam had Down syndrome on the day that he was born. They decided to opt out of pre-screening for Down syndrome or other disabilities. So this interview with Eddie is similar to some of the other interviews that I've done with other parents who have children who have disabilities. But I have to say that I find these stories so compelling because the presence of these kids, of kids who are really different than parents expect, and kids who really change the lives of a family. I think these are amazing stories of parents who are undergoing transformation, who have to reorient their lives and their families to account for this child that's joined them. Unfortunately, many of the stories that we talk about here are stories of parents doing that really well, of parents really digging down deep and figuring out how to make it work and how to really love their child in the best possible way regardless of how different that child is. So I hope that you enjoyed these stories too and that you enjoy this interview with Eddie. He's a very thoughtful and humble person who I think has a lot of wisdom and insight. So thanks for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. This is Parenting Reimagined. A place where the conversation goes beyond what we do as parents, and we take the time to consider what parenting teaches us, how it transforms us, and what being parents means for the landscape of our inner lives. I am Sherry Walling. My name is Eddie Ekmekji, and I am married to Rhoda. We've been married about uh, 12 and a half years. We have a seven and a half year old. She's in second grade, Layla, and a uh, five year old, uh, Marco, who will enter kindergarten uh, this coming fall, and uh, Liam, who is uh, seven months old, and um, the joy of our life. I work as a uh, campus ministry director in uh, greater Los Angeles. Um, I specifically work with black students on our college campuses. Uh, I've been with InterVarsity, uh, the campus ministry, for about 12 years now as well. And Rhoda is a teacher, right? Rhoda is a uh, teacher. She's a third grade teacher, um, and she's been teaching yeah, just as many years. What have you enjoyed most about being a father? I love the just the interaction as a family and the personalities with my three children. They're all very different. And um, I think what I enjoy is just seeing them discover life, being curious about 
their own surroundings and just the ways that um, they're developing their own uh, likes and dislikes. And I got to participate in that. And uh, I probably learned more about myself being a father than I feel like I've invested in my children's development. Well, what what kind of little people are they? And I want to ask you about what how you've changed. Yeah. But I'm curious just what, what they're like. Well, Layla, my seven-and-a-half-year-old, is uh, very studious. Uh, she's the kind of person where she's just self-motivated for school. In fact, she's so self-motivated that we have a deal we've had for three years that if she wants to take a day off school to go to Disneyland, I would take a day off work to take her to Disneyland. Now, three years into this deal, she has yet to accept my offer. So she values her commitments and responsibilities and uh, uh, just very trustworthy in that sense and uh, and very creative and um, just um, fun just to see her as a musician, just uh, learning how to, she's learning the piano and she's just been uh, fantastic. Marco uh, is a little bit different. I think he would take my offer up in a heartbeat to go to Disneyland, so that's not on the table for him. He is just athletic, seems just natural, very active as a boy. Um, uh, yeah, he could, um, he's a touchy-feely one. He's the one who will come and cuddle with us. Layla would not do that at all. And uh, Liam's actually been our easiest baby. So I don't know if that we've just become uh, more um, mellow as parents, but um, as a seven-month-old, he's just been very easy. And I just feel the content is sort of the best word I could describe him. He's just seems to always be content and uh, just sort of happy to be, to be with us, just, uh, just a happy kid. And, and, and speaking about Liam, he was born with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And would you, would you talk a little bit about how that's been for your family? Uh, We found out the day he was born, that he was born with Down syndrome. So that was, um, uh, that was a hard day. It was a hard day on multiple fronts. Uh, to learn something we were not expecting and something that is uh, will just change our lives. Uh, you know, it was a day full of joy because we're celebrating his birth, but also just full of just, um, I don't know, sorrows of the war that I think of, of just imagining the kind of life that he might have in our world. But, uh, but I think the last seven months have taught us a lot about just the more we learn about Down syndrome, the the more joy we have of having him and accepting him and accepting ourselves as parents um, to him. It's been a very eventful season. I think that's, <laughs> um, uh, our lives feel full. There, there's a lot of things we didn't expect uh, that our lives would be about this year. But a lot of it's been full of things that, um, surprises that we've embraced and uh, new relationships and uh, communities we've met through Liam and families we've met that we would have never met had we not um, had a child with Down syndrome. And we're just sort of figuring it out as we go along about how to care for him and how to love him and how to help him and advocate for him. Have there, have there been particularly sweet or just moments of pleasure that have gone along with being his father, you know, that really stand out to you? A couple of things have been really helpful um, and just sweet moments for me as a father. One, I would say, is just seeing my other two kids embracing him, uh, particularly Layla, uh, just the way that she's just uh, loves him and cares for him and really makes sure that he's okay. And just to see someone 
uh, like Leila, who who struggles, I think, at times to to be friendly or struggles with even empathy and kindness. Um, Liam has just opened up uh, opened her up in a whole new way, um, and just has done more for her character than I think anything I've done for the last <laughs> the last seven years. So I think that's one thing that Liam has done that's just been a lot of joy. And I think second, um, I've just learned to celebrate uh, the small victories along the way. You know, we we all celebrate the first time our kids roll and the first time they eat solids and maybe the first time they sleep through the night. Uh, but I think it's been particularly more sweet with Liam. When he rolled over, that it was just, I just felt like I could just throw a party. Yeah, I just felt like just much more celebrating the, the victories or the small steps uh, developmentally that he's taking. Um, that I don't think mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it for my other two kids, but I don't think I fully saw how special they really were. Has there been a really low moment that you're okay talking about? What was your low yeah. point? Yeah, there have been a lot of low points along the way. I think low points have been around just our, uh, just the first two weeks. He was in the NICU, so he had some health complications. Um, and we just felt at a loss. Um, I think there were a million things going through our heads um, of, of why this is the case and whether we are capable as parents to care for him, um, whether we're able, I mean, whether we can do it. Uh, um, uh, so, so there's been that. I think low moments too, uh, just along the way of, of just recognizing that society will just not be very kind to him. We've read a lot on Down syndrome and a lot of testimonials and stories and, and just even knowing my own life when I was in junior high and high school. And I just know that, that he will hit some rough patches along the way and not be fully accepted. I think when I think about his future, I get, pre- I get depressed. I get sad thinking about his future. Well, it sounds like you worry, you know, you, we have these little babies and we want, we want to protect them and we want everything to be perfect for them. And, and that's not real for any of our kids, but particularly sure. for Liam. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's right. Is that one thing I think Liam has taught me is that as a parent, I I have three different kids and each one will require different attention and different uh, motivations and, different discipline and Liam is no different than my other two kids kids in that sense and he will require some care that's different and and he will probably bring some joys that'll be different than the other two in fact he will probably bring the other two will probably bring headaches that Liam will never bring to us as parents and so there's there's it's it's not I don't see it as a deficit as much as sort of seeing that yeah we have three different kids and we will parent them in three different ways and so if I parent them all the same way, I think I'll probably be a failure as a parent. So, so that's, I think, something that Liam's taught me in the seven months we've had him. Mm-hmm. So you talked about fatherhood changing you. Um, you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah. I think the, the main thing that I would say that Liam has done for us is it slowed me down that's probably the best word to use. Um, I think even with my first two children, um, while I feel like I've slowed down a little bit or changed my schedule to be home more, uh, Liam has pressed it that much more, partly because he's got all these therapy sessions that require more attention. Um, But I think I've sort of realized just um, 
with him that what's become more important is to be with him and to love him and enjoy him. I took a five-week leave of absence after he was born. And knowing myself and some of the ways that I'm wired, that would have felt really anxious. I would have just been really anxious to take that much time off work. and But it was probably the best thing that happened to me in that season. And um, to recognize that what's important is really to be a father and care for my family and that uh, the work that I do is important. It's not that it's not important, but that, that, uh, that I could be a better in ministry because I'm a better father at home. And uh, so I think, I think that's been one thing that Liam has done for me. Uh, and second, I think it's just recognize how, what I said earlier, that as a parent, I parent them differently. And then I don't think I learned that with the first two. And uh, I think Liam sort of drove that home, that point home for me. Would you say a little bit more about how being a father shapes how you are in ministry? All three of my kids get to come with me wherever I go in ministry the first couple years of their lives. And because my wife goes back to work and our childcare situation is such that they come with me to uh, when I meet with students on campus or when I'm supervising staff. And what I've discovered over the years, and I'm doing that now with Liam, is that my students and staff watch me as a parent. And well, whereas I might feel guilty that I'm I'm giving I'm sharing my attention between two very two different things, them and my kids. What I've discovered along the way is that I've been strengthened in my ministry because my character comes out as a parent. And so they will reflect back to me things that I said or did that I don't remember. And it's because it happened in the context of me also trying to feed my kid or change a diaper while I'm having a deep conversation or helping supervise uh, someone's how they spend their time. And um, to me, it's sort of it's this mundane parts of parenthood that for some reason has done more to speak into the lives of my of the staff and students that I lead than I probably realize. Hmm. I'm really struck by that. I, you know, th- there have been a few times where I have ventured to take my children to a meeting uh-huh. or, or some kind of professional event. And <laughs> generally it has been like incredibly anxiety provoking yes. for me and probably for them. But, um, yeah. but I think parenting does really pull back the curtain and reveal character in a way that um, sounds like the folks that you're working with really respond to. Yeah. And it's, and the primary thing I'm working with the folks I work with 20 somethings is their character. I mean, that's really the primary thing that we were doing in the season of their lives and their leadership. And so I just feel like it's, it's, it makes more and more sense to me that they get to see me and, um, and all of who I am. And sometimes I fail as a parent and I think they, they see that and how I feel, like and they see my anxieties come out and um but i think all of that is has been helpful um or has been part of the ministry that i um that i've been tasked to lead hmm. how have people responded to to you as a father i guess it, it's striking that you know you're you're a professional you have been doing this job for a long time and and for you to bring your kids along and and sort of be Mr. Mom, but also professional at the same time is, I, I would just wonder if that's sort of challenging some people's assumptions about you or about fathering. You know, it does. My joke is most of my peers uh, take a, a briefcase to work and I take a diaper bag to work. 
and uh, and I think I I think I probably feel the most anxiety about that particular scenario than most people do, and I think the just the reaction has been very positive uh, generally. Uh, there are certain appointments I will not bring my kids to, uh, particularly meeting uh, pastors or ministry partners that I don't have a lot of trust with. That usually I'm I hold off um, and bring my ch- uh, kids to those types of appointments, but. Generally, people have been very positive. In fact, people say they, if they have children, they, they sort of communicate to me that they wish that they could do that as well. You know, one thing that I didn't ask you about in the, the questions I sent, but I wonder if, you know, if you try to comment on the fly, you and Rhoda come from, from different cultural traditions. Mm-hmm. Rhoda's Japanese and you're Armenian. Mm-hmm. And you have now made this new family. And I, I'm wondering how that's, how that's working from a sort of cultural standpoint. There are days where where Rhoda's cultural upbringings just and my Armenian upbringings just we clash and we uh, there are and for example one way would be is my family's always been loud. I think Armenians that's just generally been sort of who we are and we we're very animated when we talk. Um, not so much in Rhoda's upbringing and so. They're often we're having a conversation where she feels like I am um, much more animated than I need to be for that particular conversation. I'm thinking I'm at a I'm at a three on a on a volume, but I think what's been cool about that is to I've learned more about myself in being married to Rhoda, right? For her to be able to reflect back to me about that things that I do and and how it's unique to me and not necessarily part of the human experience. Um, so that being just even even one of them. And also, I'd say just for our kids to just have two just very rich cultures as part of who they are and for us to figure out ways to help them grow and understand what it is that they're fully both Japanese and fully Armenian mm-hmm. um, and for them to embrace that. Now, I don't know if we have the answer to that, but on how to do that well, but um, it's been fun to see them embrace both cultures and, and learn about it. Do they ask you like, who they are like you know are they are they searching for a label yeah i don't know if they're quite there yet i think layla layla goes to school with a with a good number of armenians we have more armenians in the community uh where we live here in los angeles than japanese and so i think for layla as a uh, as a second grader she has she's had questions about what it means to be armenian particularly because she's with all these other kids who speak it she doesn't speak it and whose both their parents are armenian and so um, she's even had an interaction this past year where someone questioned whether she's Armenian because she couldn't speak the language the way he spoke the language. So I think I think she's starting to ask questions and trying to figure out what does it mean for her to carry this culture. But I don't know if we we fully figured out a way to teach them and help them grow in their cultural identity. Well, it sounds like all things in parenting, it's an emerging <laughs> process and you yeah. respond when you have to. Yes. <laughs> How has being a father shaped your experience of God? Yeah. Um, I'll speak primarily through Liam, what Liam has taught me about my experience of God uh, in fathering him. Liam is having someone who has uh, someone with Down syndrome. He will, I mean, just the way our society is set up, he may always be at sort of the mercy of society one way or the other. And so I think about that a lot um, about as I parent him. And 
And I think when he was first born, my experience of him was he's going to be a charity case. And I really mourn that. I don't want that for him to, to be that way. I don't want people to feel sorry for him or sorry for us. And I think what's happened for me in my soul the last several months is given a different image of how, of, of, of who Liam is um, and what it means that he has Down syndrome and what it means for me to be a father. Uh, so one, instead of seeing it as a charity case, I think I've seen it more as, as I've changed the question. The question has now become, how can I advocate for Liam and how can I have him be the best that God has created him to be? And so God's created Liam. He's created him for a purpose. And I don't know what that is. In fact, I don't know what that is for my other two kids either. So, um, and I think part of the mystery of, of being a parent that I've learned through Liam is to discover what are the gifts that God's given him? What are the strengths God has given him? What are the weaknesses that he possesses that, that I can come alongside him and help him grow? Now with Liam, it's been a lot more obvious because he has Down syndrome than the other two kids. But I think it's the same it's it's the the same the questions that I probably intuitively have felt with the other two kids have just come to life with Liam, and so it's been sort of this season of just discovering, and I just feel like being curious about Liam is probably the best thing I've learned about fatherhood in this season. How can I sort of uncover who God's created him to be, and and try to you know push him towards towards those things, and, and really believe in him. I love that word, like being curious about him. Mm-hmm. You know, it it some sort of takes the pressure off the feeling that we have to, uh, I don't know, shape our kids or mold them or, or, or make them who they're supposed to be. But the idea of realizing that he is who he is and you're interested yeah. in knowing that, yeah. knowing about him. Yeah. And, and I love it. I, I love this believing and discovering that he could actually be, a, uh, instead of being a charity case of society, that he actually could be someone who invests and helps us make the world a better place. Now, I don't know what that'll be like, but, um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on this journey to find out with Liam. Um, I mean, he's already done that for us as a family. I've seen the effect he's had on Layla. And so, and that's just been seven months of, uh, of life that he's done that to us. So, I think I have more hope and faith that he can do that on a wider scale. You're believing that he can be a gift to the to the world around him. That's right. That's right. And how has that been for you in your relationship with God? You know, I'm wondering if that's you've had some some really hard moments and then some surprisingly wonderful moments. Yeah. Um yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, my, my life with God has, has also changed as, as Liam was born. I think one, I think just seeing, just, I put so much of my worth and my value in the things that I've produced and even, even my children before this, right? So much of my worth has been caught in how many goals Marco might score, um, you know, for his AYSO soccer team or the awards that Layla receives along the way. And so, um, a lot of my feedback loop for me as a person and parent has been through these external things or, and in the ministry, what I've produced. Um, and I think what God has done for me is to bring it back to just reckon I'm, I'm worthy for, I'm, I'm, I'm a worthy person because God has created me that my worth is, is as a created 
child of God, not because I'm the things that I produce. The things that I produce are, are good works. And I think God, you know, honors those things and celebrates those things. But at the end of the day, what, what God really values and celebrates is that I'm his child and that he loves me for, for that. And that's been true for Liam, just, just seeing him and for who he is. I mean, seeing how helpless he was in the NICU in so many ways. And, um, and I, I still loved him. And I loved him even though he had um, all these things that were wrong with him that the doctors were trying to fix. And even though he's got this extra chromosome, I hope that's true for me and God. I hope God loves me even though I've got all these weaknesses and even though I've got all these things that um, he doesn't intend for me <laughs> to have. What do you hold on to when you feel discouraged or worried? I've realized that Jesus was right when he said, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. I think that's been the, it's been the primary passage that we've gone back to in these seven months that the, when we take it day by day, we can experience the joy of the day and we can experience the Lord and, and God when he taught us to pray, told us to pray daily for our daily bread. And so when we just sort of focus on the things that he's given us for the day, we can, we can get through the day. And I think the moment I start worrying and thinking about him as a three-year-old, as a 13-year-old, as a 23-year-old, or when I pass away and he's still alive, it's, it's at those times that my anxieties and my discouragement really increases. But when I think about today and what I need to do to care for him, it's doable. And it's, it's much more life-giving than to imagine him as a three-year-old. <laughs> We can't quite manage a whole lifetime of fear at one time. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, speaking of the future, <laughs> looking forward, what are you what are you hoping for for Liam? What do you most want for him? I want him to know that he's loved, um, that at the, that he feels uh, the love of us as a family, prim, you know, first and foremost, and then the extended family and, and community that we're a part of that he really feels safe and loved in the community. There's plenty of children, whether they have special needs or not, um, don't experience that. So I think that's one thing I would want for him uh, to know, because he'll get plenty of other messages along the way that he's not loved. Uh, second, I, I hope that he takes risks, like my other two children take risks, and I hope that for him, that he would take risks as he develops. And, you know, I... I, I you know, we don't we don't know what he'll be like in a year or two, but hopefully he'll be enrolled in some sort of soccer program and those kinds of things, and that he would enjoy and take those risks for himself to to grow and press himself um, in that direction. Um, I think those are probably the two primary two things that I've prayed for for him along the way. And how about your family in general? What are you hopeful for for the five of you as you? move forward. I do think it's an adventure. I think having a third child, regardless of whether he has special needs or not, is uh, we just have a full life and it feels, it feels like an adventure. And I hope for, for every one of us that in that journey or the adventure that we would, like I said with Liam, just uh, learning to love one another and lo loving others as we would want to be loved, kind of the golden rule. Um, and that we would each uncover and discover our gifts. I, I mean, I'm 36 years old, and I'm still trying to figure out my gifts and passions. And, and I hope the same to be true for my wife and my two, other two children, that they would discover who God's created them to be and to fully live that out. Well, anything else that you 
have been really moved by or, or want to talk about related to being a father? Yeah, I think that when Liam was born, you know, we felt a lot of anxiety when he was born and getting the news that he has Down syndrome. And um, I, I think my body technically went to shock. I just just shut down as I was dealing with what the doctor was saying. And I've reflected on that moment uh, time and again of like, why did I feel what I felt? And there's a couple of different things that I've concluded about that. One, I think it just reveals how high and how planned out my expectations are for my children. So I had a certain vision of what fatherhood was supposed to be about, what having three children was supposed to be about. Um, and all that got shattered within a matter of minutes of hearing the news that he has Down syndrome. But as I thought about that, I go, I think that's sort of parenthood along the way. Um, now, we don't get hit with such big news all at once. And I think with each of my children or my other two children, the older ones, there are little things along the way that I realize, okay, this is what I want for him or for her. And it's just not going to happen. That's just not the person they are. And I sort of have to accept that piece of who they are. And what's unique about Liam, I feel like all of it happened all at once. Uh, so all of my expectations <laughs> sort of just got wrapped into this one moment. Um, and uh, and I think that's that was hard. But I think part of parenthood is mourning that our kids might make decisions that uh, we think are not good, but also celebrating the decisions they make that we would never thought they would make um, and come alongside them and cheering them on. Um, and I think that moment for me, I think, is it, it was sort of a parable uh, or a, a a story that, that the Lord has captured for me to know that, yeah, you got to put your expectations um, and uh, sort of on the altar and uh, can't go through life with them, with those expectations and just believe me for a better journey for your life than the one that you've created in your mind. So I think, yeah, that, that's, I think what parenthood has done for me is sort of to just even quote your title of your podcast, that it's just reimagining uh, almost every day, sort of what, what this life could be about, that this is not the life I would have imagined. But I wonder if the life that God is creating for us is much better than the life I would have imagined before kids, including with Liam. Yeah. Yeah, we just don't get to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I love that. And I, I'm excited to sort of be on the periphery of your life and see see what he will continue to how he will continue to surprise you yeah. in in hopefully really good and rich ways. I hope so. Yeah. Thanks for listening to my interview with Eddie. If you like what you heard and you're curious about learning more about Eddie and his family, Eddie blogs at servingbread.com. That's www.servingbread.com. You can also find Eddie on Facebook or follow him on Twitter. Next week, I bring you another interview from my college glory days. I will be talking with Nadia, my old roommate, who went on to to graduate school at Harvard to have four children, two of whom she adopted from an orphanage in the Congo. She has an amazing story and it's a fun conversation. I will look forward to sharing that with you next week on Parenting Reimagined.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. If you like what you heard, visit our website, parentingreimagined.org, and sign up for our mailing list. You can also like us on Facebook. Thanks for taking the time to be part of this community of parents who's committed to learning the deeper lessons of parenting.